Welcome to the Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Rail Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tronowski. As Todd presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading a PDF or PowerPoint version of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF is available now at www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads of the Rail Market Update, as well as the weekly trucking market update with Avery Vice and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. As always, I am your host, Todd Tronowski, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR. Thank you for joining us this week. We appreciate you joining us this week as we get toward as we get toward the end of the year. So let, let's talk about sort of uh, where we are from a volume perspective. And we're not in a great spot from a volume perspective. Intermodal and carload were really pretty weak uh, in the latest week. The, the sources of strength in the carload market were really the coal market and the automotive market. Uh, automotive, obviously, is a story we've talked about for much of the last two years, having some pent-up demand coming out of uh, really two years of their own sort of supply chain disruptions. And coal... Uh, not being a long-term uh, growth, growth story for the railroads. Now, within intermodal, you do have a little bit of help coming uh, from the trailer market, the trailer market that's been down uh, 30% for much of the year. Uh, we are seeing a typical seasonal parcel peak. We weren't necessarily sure that was going to happen this year, uh, given how depressed the trailers were, but it has, it has in fact, happened. But before we jump into the numbers this, this week, I want to spend a minute and talk about regulation. Uh, there was a two-day hearing this week at the Surface Transportation Board where the Union Pacific was uh, brought in to talk about their use of embargoes to essentially meter traffic flows across its network and make service appear uh, better than it was, better than it is in actuality. This is something shippers have talked about for a long time and talked about uh, having moving forward for a long time, uh, the carriers have used embargoes and de facto embargoes in this way. And the, the two-day hearing was really very uh, very enlightening and very uh, very broad. It was not necessarily limited to uh, just the UP. Uh, there were a lot of conversations about other carriers doing a same or similar things. And the board... Uh, was very interested in what was said. And the board, uh, to put it mildly, was not pleased uh, with, uh, with the railroad response. It did not, the board was not particularly happy with the way railroads, uh, particularly the UP, but certainly others as well, if they're engaging in this sort of action, uh, would be viewed. They, the board is not pleased. The board, uh, when, when a a moderate member of the board, a potentially pro-railroad member of the board uh, in, in Patrick Fuchs uh, comes out and says, this isn't working uh, in terms of the current setup, the current dynamic between railroads and shippers. That's not good for anybody. I don't care if you're the railroad that was hauled before the, the STB this week or not. Uh, that's not good for business. That's not, uh, not particularly a, a good thing uh, for the industry. 
uh, when your regulator is not happy in this way, particularly when your regulator is not happy in this way for the second time this year. Uh, let's not forget uh, the board earlier this year when it uh, asked the carriers to produce service recovery plans uh, was not happy across the board uh, with the first cut of those plans by every single carrier. And for those of you that don't watch the STB every day, uh, before the hearing, the, the last week, the Thursday or Friday before the two-day hearing, Chairman Overman sent a sharply worded letter uh, to the UP uh, because the UP was asked to provide certain information uh, before uh, the hearing. And the, the chairman essentially said uh, that, that you were not responsive, that the, the carrier was not responsive to uh, the board's request. And while maybe the UP's responses were to the legal letter of the law, responsive to what the board asked for, uh, that's not good enough anymore. That is not what this board in particular is looking for. They are looking for responsive information and data to their queries. And if you, if you don't have the data, you better be prepared to explain that you don't have the data and not just uh, submit something that is uh, maybe to the letter of the law, responsive to their inquiry, uh, but not really to the depth and breadth of what the spirit of what they're looking for is. Uh, certainly, this has downstream effects not just uh, for this carrier, uh, but also for the industry. I think it's fair to say that uh, the board is not happy. The board is not pleased in any way, shape, or form. I think you saw that acknowledged in the sort of conciliatory tone that, that the, the carrier took in the second day of the hearing, saying things that they've that they've heard the feedback from shippers, they've heard the feedback from uh, from, from from the board, and will uh, will diligently look for solutions. Uh, but but it's something that that I think the industry is on notice. If you weren't one of the carriers uh, that that was at the hearing, that was called to be at the hearing, you took notice that the board uh, is not happy, and that the board. Uh, this could have downstream effects in 2023 in terms of how the board regulates or what the board sees as necessary to regulate as we go forward. And that's something uh, that should give every carrier and every shipper a little bit of pause. Uh, that the fact that this is, this is where we are as the calendar turns out to from 2022 into 2023. Uh, and it didn't get a whole lot better uh, for further railroads on the other side of the regulatory house. It was a busy week in Washington this past week. Uh, the Federal Railroad Administration had a hearing on the two-person crew rule and uh, mandating two people in the, in the cab of the locomotive at all times. And there was a lot of railroad uh, pushback on that, particularly uh, from the short-line perspective about how that's not necessary. I've talked about uh, my views on the two-man crew rule in, in many a forum. Happy to, to do that again if folks want to reach out and want to hear those those thoughts. Uh, certainly, I have plenty of them, having started my career on the commuter railroad side of the house. Um, it is something that the carriers and this FRA uh, are, are going to have, uh, are going to likely have issues with. Uh, it's something where they're not going to see eye to eye. Uh, just this week, uh, again, a carrier announced a pilot to make the conductors a ground-based position at several places along its network. Uh, that could be rendered moot depending on how the FRA moves forward uh, with this two-man crew rule. So uh, the railroads did not have a great week in Washington over the last week from between 
uh, the FRA and the STB. And it's something that potentially has a carryover into 2023 that folks, carriers and shippers alike, are going to have to, to think about and focus on as we uh, turn the calendar uh, fresh to January in just a couple of weeks. But I'll, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now and let, let's, talk about, let's talk about the numbers in the latest week. Intermodal loadings remained weak. You can't blame the holiday at this point. You can't blame the threat of a work stoppage at this point. The numbers are just weak. There's just no way to uh, sugarcoat it at this point. There's no way to sort of pass the buck. Uh, we continue to be uh, well below last year, well below the five-year average, and essentially uh, in line with where we were running before the Thanksgiving holiday after we saw volumes throttle back, uh, presumably uh, because of a work stoppage. We have not moved back above that level. We've not moved uh, back to where we had been running for most of 2022, near 360,000 uh, carloads a week in the intermodal space. That's that's something we're looking at. That we're not necessarily going to see it this year. We have one more week to essentially show that, uh, to show a run-up. But other than that, we are going to hit the normal holiday declines here uh, over the next couple of weeks. And so uh, 2022, again, a disappointing year for intermodal as we start to think about putting a bow on it and certainly not ending the year with any sort of flourish, any sort of pop that gives us any sort of hope for 2023 particularly against the light of the trailer market. <clears throat> if you look at trailers, trailers have been very strong the last two weeks. We are seeing, as I said at the outset, we are seeing the traditional parcel peak. Uh, we saw it last year. We saw it in the five-year average. We're seeing it this year. Now we're bouncing off a lower level, so we're not going to get back to those 23, 24, 25,000 trailer a week years, uh, but we are at least 5,000 trailers a week above where we had been for most of the rest of 2022. We are up right about 19, 20,000 uh, trailers a week, which is a step function improvement from 14 or 15 uh, where we had been running. So we are definitely seeing the parcel peak. Uh, the bad news is uh, it is a peak. As we get to the end of the year, we expect to come off of that peak uh, the closer we get to the end of the year. We probably have one more week of strong parcel volumes before they start to fall off the table. Container volumes, not a whole lot to see here. A little bit of strength, but it's it's a little bit of strength, particularly when you consider uh, overall intermodal is not really bouncing back, and you factor in the trailer market, the container market is just sort of, yeah, thinking about moving up. Uh, it's moved up very, very slightly, sequentially. Uh, it's not even necessarily all the way back to where it was before the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, so intermodal continues to struggle, continues to be uh, something that we're going to have to deal with as we uh, get into the new year, get into the, the Lunar New Year period later in the year in February and March, and sort of start to see how things are going to roll uh, forward in 2023. There is the potential, and certainly we're forecasting for it, of a weak intermodal year in 2023. Switching gears to the carload markets, unfortunately, it's not any better on the carload side of the house. Uh, volumes were essentially flat sequentially overall. They, they ticked up ever, ever so slightly. They're still well below the five-year average. Uh, they're not back to where they were before the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, they, they're running up above 343, 345,000 or so carloads a week. 
and they're not really moving. And the and where we're getting strength from uh, are not the sectors that we would have thought we were getting strength from. If you look at economically sensitive freight, this is even weaker than the overall carload number. This is this sequentially went down in the latest week. Uh, that is uh, something that again is going to have to be dealt with as we get into 2023. The fact that the sectors that are more closely tied to the underlying economy, things like metals, things like lumber, things like automotive, uh, that they're not growing in total. Uh, that is something that is going that the railroads are going to have to address and fix over the next uh, months and quarters ahead if they want to even maintain carload volumes where they are and move forward. Now, growing volumes, you may look at it and say, well, the carriers don't want to grow volumes. The carriers do want to grow volumes. Uh, it is in their interest to grow volumes because it is through volume growth, it is through service that the railroads will be able to achieve higher pricing. Uh, shippers have said consistently for decades that they want consistent service. Well, the way, and they're willing to pay for consistent service, which is almost more important, uh, and that shippers are paying to pay for uh, that consistent service. The problem is railroads have not, over the last two decades, consistently provided that level of service. And that's what's going to have to change uh, over the years to come for the railroads to regain market share, for volume growth to continue, and for ultimately uh, rate increases to continue uh, without the threat of regulatory interference. We talked a lot at the top about the potential for regulatory influence. A lot of that is driven by the carrier's inability to provide service. It really does uh, come back to service for volume growth as we uh, go through the next several years. And that's not changing, and that's not new. That's something that's been around for decades. It's just something where the carriers have not consistently provided that service to shippers over the last two decades. So, why is carload flat if economically sensitive freight is down? Well, that's because the bulk sectors are performing fairly well. Look at coal. Coal has been up uh, significantly the last two weeks. We're up above 80,000 carloads a week for only the fourth time in 2022. Uh, we're well above last year, 10, 11 percent above, uh, above last year. Uh, we're almost back to the five-year average, which is a very a very strong number, and we will have to see as we go forward uh, with coal, we'll have to see where it goes. We don't expect this strength to continue into 2023, but we will uh, We will have to see. Certainly, there is the potential if folks wait until the end of 2023 to retire those units uh, that we do see a little bit of strength early in the year, but I'm still uh, very hesitant to, to make any firm commitments related to that. But grain volumes... Uh, they remain near peak levels. They went down a little bit sequentially, uh, but they're still running between 35 and 40,000 carloads a week, which is a strong number. It's above last year. It's above the five-year average, and it's where it's run consistently during uh, the harvest period over the last six to eight weeks. So we haven't seen a material decline in grain volumes quite, quite yet. The one that is uh, most, the commodity group that, that is most concerning is the chemicals industry. Uh, you look at the chemicals, we went down for the Thanksgiving holiday, and we really uh, just have never recovered. Uh, we, we've stepped up a little bit over the last two weeks, uh, but it is really uh, very much a dead cat bounce. Uh, we are well below the five-year average. We are well below last year. Uh, it is not the typical post-holiday snapback 
Uh, it's really just increasing very, very slightly. And that's concerning. That's concerning because chemicals go into so many parts of the U.S. and global economy that if volumes are downshifting, particularly without any sort of specter of labor action, any specter of, of other issue out there, uh, this is something we're going to have to watch because this could be a forward indicator of economic activity uh, that would not be positive as we start 2023. On the petroleum products side of the house, uh, we were flat sequentially in the last week, uh, basically right at 2021 levels, but well off the five-year average. And we've seen a little bit of a seasonal bump this year, but not anything to what we would normally expect to see uh, given the five-year average. We're just sort of holding at the top end of the range, right around 21,000 carloads a week. And we're not moving above that. We're not moving toward 22 or 23,000 carloads a week the way we might normally expect to see uh, over the last month of the year. Stone, sand, and gravel, uh, you've heard me say about this many times. Uh, it's been a winner for the entire summer uh, in the early spring. Uh, it's been a, a winner through the fall, and it continues to be a winner uh, even through the last month of the year. It bounced back strong out of the Thanksgiving Day holiday. It bounced up a little bit sequentially in the last week. It's above the five-year average. It's above last year. It continues uh, to be a growth engine for Carlo. It continues to be supportive of volumes as we as we go through the year, even as the construction season winds down in a lot of places, there is still robust demand for crushed stone, sand, and gravel. That's something uh, definitely to keep in mind as we get into 2023. Lumber and wood is not a growth leader. It is not a source of strength. We are below the five-year average. We are below last year. We are essentially flat sequentially. Uh, we did not bounce back to where we were running before the holiday and the post-Thanksgiving Day period. And the trend line, really all the way back to the end of the first quarter, is slight decline, is slow volume erosion as we've gone through time. How far that will go, we've gone through the 6,000 carload per week level. How far it goes, how far down we get, uh, that is an open question. Certainly mortgage rates and the Fed uh, and housing, certainly these are not bullish signs for the lumber and wood market. These are something we're going to have to watch to see uh, what happens in 2023. Uh, the other side of the forest products business, the other major side of the forest products business, I should say, the pulp and paper markets. Uh, we had been uh, strengthening right through the Thanksgiving holiday week over the last month or so. Uh, we gave a lot of that back in the last week on a sequential basis. Uh, basically, what we did last year where we had a run-up and then we uh, came down were essentially very close to 2021 levels. Uh, normally, you see a peak this time of year. Normally, you see it come down and then uh, surge back up. We'll see what happens. Certainly, the run-up over the last several weeks was packaging-related, and almost certainly uh, we'll have to see uh, what that does as the consumer economy starts to slow down, as you start to see uh, more headwinds, sustained higher inflation. We'll have to see uh, what that means as we, as we go forward, as we go through the next, the next few weeks and months. But certainly the outlook is not for a strong market in pulp and paper. Automotive, here's your strong point. Here's your strong man. We, are, uh, we have increased sequentially in the last week. We are uh, pushing toward the five-year average. We are well above last year, more than 10%, in fact, above last year. And we are at the highest level we've been in automotive volumes on a weekly basis since the first quarter of 2021. 
It's been a long time since we've seen these this level of automotive traffic, and it suggests that we're seeing an easing to the semiconductor and other supply chain issues that the automotive industry specifically was having, that maybe we're starting to see uh, some of that resolved over the last, call it, month or so. And with that, I'm going to wrap up. I know it's been a little bit of a long podcast this week, but I think important podcast. I think we covered a lot of important ground on the regulatory front uh, because that's going to be an issue that's going to affect every rail shipper out there as we go through uh, the next few years. To say nothing of the carriers, obviously it's going to have a very direct impact on the carriers, but it's also going to affect every single rail shipper out there uh, over the next couple of years. And overall volumes, they're weak. Whether it's intermodal, whether it's carload, volumes are definitely weak as December dawns. We're not seeing any sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, your, your bright spots are the trailer market, which is the typical parcel peak. That will reverse uh, very shortly here. And then on the carload side, it's coal, grain, and automotive. Grain is the harvest. Coal uh, is the seasonal uh, peak as folks restock into the winter demand season and it will not likely continue well into 2023. And automotive is a normalization of their supply chains and a, a normalization of flows uh, that hopefully will be sustained. But if you look at some of the automotive dealer sentiment indexes, uh, there's certainly potential that it does not as well. Uh, so there, there, are, there are bright spots out there at the moment, but will they sustain themselves over the long term is something that remains to be seen. And with that, uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us this week. Feel free to reach out to myself or any member of the FTR team if you have any questions about the industry, about what you're hearing on the podcast, what you're hearing in the reports, what you're seeing in your business. We literally get up in the morning to talk about these issues. So feel free uh, to reach out. Hopefully you uh, have a great week, and we will talk to you again next week. As always, I am your host, Todd Tranowski, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal uh, on the State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. Have a great week. That's it for this week's Rail Market Update on the State of Freight Podcast. The Rail Market Update will be published each week along with a downloadable PDF of the presentation. If you find this transportation intelligence useful, please take a moment to give us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice and send us your feedback by email at podcast.ftrintel.com. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.